Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Making the Call. Uh, I'm Andrew and I'm joined this week by Rosie and Alex and we're going to be breaking down all of the action from the divisional round of the NFL playoffs as well as get you ready for the conference championship. Uh, I believe for the first time in this podcast existence, one of our teams is in the conference championship. So Really? Uh, I think so. <laughs> that's, I mean, That's a little bit sad. The podcast run around the last time the Cowboys been made around it. three years. It's not that. And strange. let's see the Vikings. When was the Minneapolis miracle? Is that 2019? No, I think that was like 2017, dude. Yeah. Okay. Well, so then, yeah, I don't think, and I know the Seahawks haven't been. Okay. So that was 2018. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think that, I think that's true. So th- this is uncharted territory. We, we have never waded into these waters before, um, but Rosie's Lions are in the conference championship, and we're going to be talking about that. Who would have thought I was going to be the Lions? <laughs> Who would have thought? Uh, so we'll be talking about all the action from the, conf- or from the divisional round. Then we'll be getting ready for the conference championship. We're going to go game by game, share our notes and, and hot takes and, and, every, and everything. And we've got a, a special surprise once we get to the uh, hmm. Lions-Bucks game. Uh, that I'm excited to unveil for our listeners. This this is a time to tune in to the Making the Call YouTube because uh, there's there's going to be a visual surprise once we get to that game. Uh, but before we get... Are you going to flash the camera? <laughs> uh, no comment. You're going to have to tune <laughs> in to find around. out, folks. That's a hook. Tune in. That's a hook. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that is a hook. Yes. Um all right, before we get into our one big headline of the week and get into all the NFL action, an update on our weekly bets contest. So Ugh. we're doing it through the playoffs. Um, Austin is in the lead at 1-0-1. and one. He had a push in the wildcard round. He won the golf over one and a half passing touchdowns this week. The other four of us, Rosie, Alex, Trent, who couldn't be on tonight, and myself are all tied at one and one. Uh, some of us won week, you know, the wild card round and lost this week. Others, vice versa. Uh, so Austin is currently in the lead with the rest of us battling it out. Last place during the playoffs, we'll be doing a 15 minute intro to the solo podcast, uh, where either Rosie or Austin will be doing 60 minutes of a solo podcast, and we're letting the playoffs decide that. So uh, that's a little update there. I don't know how Austin is winning, but he is 2024 (laughs) between the lions making the conference championship and Austin winning a bet contest. 2024 truly is a year unlike any we've ever seen. So, uh, that's a little update there. All right. One big headline doesn't have to be sports related. It of course can be sports related. Uh, it could be about anything. I believe last week I used this time to give a PSA, to just tell everyone to go watch Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, it's it's perfect time for a rewatch. Uh, Rosie, Alex, either of you feel just impassioned to go first with your one big headline? Uh, I can go first. Okay. All right. So uh, FIFA announced the uh, 2026 World Cup final is going to be here in Dallas, which is uh, pretty pretty cool. It's going to be sort of funny, though. Little town in Dallas. Yeah, it's going to be sort of funny when, like, European tourists or uh, South American stuff like that, they buy 
hotels in Dallas and then figure out one, you can't walk to the stadium. Two, the stadium's still 40 miles away in Arlington. <laughs> and three, there's no trains to the stadium. Like, I'm sure they'll set up a bus or something like that, but no trains because of Jerry Jones. But yeah, we got the 2026 World Cup final here to look forward to. That's pretty cool. I mean, come a long way in, in the 60s, we were killing presidents and now we're hosting World Cup finals. So. <laughs> Look at Dallas. <laughs> Look at that glow up. Wow. <laughs> but in all seriousness, if this is a success, we could see some more Super Bowls coming back to Dallas and stuff like that. So it's a good spotlight for AT&T and all that. This is, this is the handshake, the handshake <laughs> meme. You have JFK's parade through Dallas and... The end, and uh, Alex has one big headline, and they're shaking hands over the fact that no one saw the ending coming. I mean, no. that was just <laughs> unexpected delivery. That was amazing. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, World Cup coming to Dallas. Um, okay, so I have I have a, a a business or a side hustle idea that I want y'all's opinion on. On oh, yeah. if you think this is smart, or if you think. Or if you think this is like morally gray because it's like manipulative. Okay. So what I'm thinking is when the World Cup comes, because like Alex said, all these Europeans are going to be here in what is probably the least walkable big city in America. And they're just not they're not going to know what to do. So obviously people are going to be Ubering and Lyft and all that stuff. So I want to become an Uber driver and I want to basically buy a bunch of knockoff jerseys for all the countries that are participating in the world cup. Cause you can get, you know, knockoff jerseys from China for like 30 bucks a pop. So yeah. you're not, you know, you're not shelling out big money and keep them all in my trunk and wait for someone to hail an Uber and try to figure out what their nationality is, throw on that Jersey, pick them up and see if, you know, I get big tips from doing that. What do you think? You know, as a nerd, I would love an A-B analysis of that. Like one day you do it, and then one day you don't. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> see, see, see how much of an impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I bet, I kind of think what is go- what would have more impact is like giving people a ride home from the stadium after their team won yeah. versus how they after they lost because they're mm. probably more willing to you know let the tips oh they fly. don't want to see the jersey anymore yeah just yeah. go to the stadium where the those two teams are playing and pick the winning jersey yes but on the flip side if you're let's say it's like germany and brazil playing if i'm wearing like a germany jersey because they won and i'm giving brazil people a ride to their hotel definitely not getting a tip and uh oh, might be a dicey just, uber ride just bring both you can like console the losers and be like they got screwed or like have both of them on (laughs) cut them down the middle and tape them together (laughs) either way i come out on top so that's what i'm thinking nice little side hustle for the world cup uh all right rosie you're one big headline uh i can guarantee you who's going to be in the super bowl oh it's either going to be the chiefs or the lions playing each other or it's going to be ravens and niners because before the season, the Super Bowl colors, like on the logo for the Super uh-huh. Bowl, they were purple and I think red. And so the last four years, the colors of the Super Bowl logo has predicted 
who has been in the Super Bowl. Mm. So you got that that piece of superstition going into it. But also, before the season, someone asked Chat GPT who was going to win or who was going to be in the Super Bowl, and it said Lions Chiefs. Hmm. So, so is it the logo or Chat GPT who's going to be correct? Yeah, we'll see. See you on hmm. Sunday. Hopefully AI. <laughs> Hopefully AI for you. Yeah. Um, all right. My one big headline. This is just kind of a uh, like word of encouragement, uh, word of advice to to anyone out there. Uh, even if you fail, don't feel like you need to change anything. Like it's okay to just run it back. Um, it's you know if you know the expression is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I say even if it is broke, don't fix it. Uh, oh, I think that's the way you should live your life. I don't think you should ever try to improve. Um, yeah. And the reason I feel this way is because my mentor, the person that that I look up to, the person that I go to, to you know, my kind of my moral compass in life is Jerry Jones, and that's how he feels. He says, "If it's broke, don't fix it. Uh, if you fail time and time again, don't fix it. Don't change anything. Let's just run it back. Uh, let's bring the game back together. One last ride." And so, yeah, if you feel like you're struggling in life, it's okay. You don't need to change anything. Um, if you are out on the basketball court and you miss hundred threes in a row, you don't need to change your shooting form. Don't tweak a dang thing. Your elbow is fine. Your, your knees are fine. Don't change anything. Um, this is of course, in response to Jerry Jones announcing that Mike McCarthy is returning. Uh, and if Dan Quinn does not get a head coaching job, they would love him back as a defensive coordinator. They are just running it all back, uh, not changing anything. So, uh, I picked a good time to just decide that I'm not going to really get invested in the Cowboys until they prove me wrong. Uh, because 2024 is just going to be m- much of the same in, in Cowboys land. I love how we get a, <laughs> we would get a reaction if they fired McCarthy or if they didn't. So since they're not, we get this well, reaction. Cowboys. And if yeah. they fired McCarthy, it'd be like, Oh, Jerry Jones is just blowing through coaches. He's, you know, no, flying by the seat of his pants. He's I think it would have been like, wow, Jerry's for real. He's trying to go win a Super Bowl now, and he is not putting anyone with the leash. I don't think so. I think Bingo would be big mad. I I I think you're wrong. <laughs> Trust me. I there's a lot of Cowboys fans that wanted to see a change. At least some sort of change, because you can't get embarrassed three consecutive seasons in the playoffs. And not change anything, and that's what they—that's what they're doing. So twelve wins. I mean, in the playoffs, I understand, but playoffs are hard. Yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> that's that's how you, that's well, how you're kind of measured in the NFL. It's how you do in the playoffs. Yeah, I I don't think you're gonna have to worry about Dan Quinn. I think he's gonna end up being the coach of the Seahawks. He's on the second round of interviews right now, and. Oh, there's only a select few couple other guys that made it to that process. So mm. might be okay. safe there. Awesome. Awesome. I hope so. Um, all right. Let's talk about the divisional round. Like I said, we're going to go in chronological order. So we'll start with the first game on Saturday. Ravens 34 Texans 10. Uh, this was really the only not close game of the weekend. 
it was tied for the largest spread. I believe both this game and uh, the Niners Packers games were like nine and a half, 10 point spread is kind of where they were hovering all week. First question I have for this game. Do either of you want to make the case for why the Ravens shouldn't be the Super Bowl favorite at this um, point in time? No, not uh, really. No, <laughs> they got Mark Andrews coming back next week. So reinforcements on the way. Oh, Humphreys too. Humphreys too. He didn't play. Yeah, no. That was such an impressive game because the offense basically sleptwalk the first half. And it didn't matter because the defense didn't let the Texans score a touchdown. The only touchdown they scored was on the uh, kick return or punt return. So this Ravens team, I mean, it feels like the most complete Lamar is playing the best that he ever has in his career. I mean, not only was, did he have a good uh, passing performance, uh, carry the ball 11 times for a hundred yards and two touchdowns. (laughs) (laughs) It's just absurd. Uh, was there anything you felt was lacking from the Ravens performance this weekend? Or was it just like all three phases across the board? You're just like, okay, they dominated the Texans in every aspect of this game. Uh, special teams. Yeah. Special teams, <laughs> punt coverage. Fair. <laughs> I mean, other Fair. than that, no, that's not even accurate though. Cause like John Harbaugh is great at coaching that. Like this is probably like the one mess up we're going to see from the Ravens Mm -hmm. on special teams. Yeah. I, okay. So I have a, I have a nugget for you guys on the Ravens. Uh, So this is from Aaron Schatz of FTN fantasy. Uh, This is the website that invented DVOA. Um, And so they do a bunch of write-ups and analysis based off of DVOA. So, says the Ravens have the best weighted DVOA through the divisional round. So regular season all the way through the divisional round since 1981 at 55%. Three other teams in history since 1981 have been above 45%. And the Ravens are at 55. Three other teams have been above 45%. All three won the Super Bowl. Okay. I can guess. I bet I can guess all three. Oh, can you? Okay. So wait, so you said since when? So since 1981. Okay. The 85 Bears, the 2000 Ravens, and the 2012 Seahawks. Uh, you got the 85 Bears right. That was it. The 18 and 0 Patriots? No, they were. Um, no, because they didn't win the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. They lost to the Giants. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So, that event. <laughs> 2013 so, Seahawks? No. They're on the top 15. Uh, uh, but no, okay. so the 85 bears are second behind the Ravens at 49%. Then it's the 1996 Packers mm-hmm. at, so that was Brett Favre Super Bowl at 45.8. Mm-hmm. And then the 1991 Washington Redskins at 45.6. Never would have got that. I, I think um, they were like breaking EPA statistics halfway through the season too. Like, yeah. Now keep in mind. So the difference between regular DVOA and weighted DVOA is, it weights the games later on in the season more than earlier in the season. So as you progress and get closer to the playoffs, the games mean more, which makes sense, right? Um, so they're best since 1981, which is as far back as they tracked DBOA. The three other teams above 45% all won the Super Bowl. Um, if you count the Ravens, the Ravens plus the the next 14 teams, so the top 15, 
15 teams of all time. Obviously, we don't know the outcome of the Ravens yet for 2023. Uh, only two of the top remaining 14 failed to make the Super Bowl. Uh, that was the 2020 Buffalo Bills lost in the conference championship. And then the 2012 New England Patriots lost in the conference championship. So only two of the 14 failed to make the Super Bowl. Of the other 12 teams that made the Super Bowl, 10 of those 12 ended up winning it. Um, so this basically proves that it's a pretty reliable metric outside of a couple outliers. Um, the teams that lost the Super Bowl that you know are in this top 15, 2007 Patriots, who lost to the Giants, um, and then the 1997 Green Bay Packers. So that was a year after they won it uh, with Brett Favre. So they made it back and then they lost. Uh, I don't know if the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl, but the fact that they are five percentage points better than the 85 Bears is ridiculous. <laughs> yes. Do you, do you remember last year talking about Lamar and how we were like, he's a good quarterback, but he keeps making really stupid throws? Like he's not doing that at all. No, no. He's, he's taking what he's given. If he's got nothing, he's bailing out and getting some yards. Like he's not killing it statistically or anything. No, but I mean, he's doing everything right. He's not making mistakes. And then on top of that, they have probably the best defense in the league. Yeah, they, I mean, it's just, that's why I started this conversation by asking does anyone make want to make the case that they shouldn't be the Super Bowl favorites? I mean, okay, here's the, like, here's the no. case. Patrick Mahomes. That's the case. I mean, it's, if anybody can do it, it's Patrick Mahomes, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's fair. Uh, no, that's fair. I just think you would need, you would need a, like, out of this world Mahomes run over the next two games. Well, because one, he's got to get through Baltimore, and then obviously in the in the Super Bowl. Like, I, I mean, I'm not. I'm. This is not saying that I'm gonna I'm gonna be the one to doubt Mahomes and say that it's not possible. But this Ravens team just seems so dominant. Yeah, I would. I would say that. I mean, we'll talk about it in a second. But Mahomes played at his best last night. And I don't know if that's good enough to beat the Ravens if the Ravens are on. Yeah, they would just have to pray their defense matched the Ravens' defense. Which we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. It's tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, and then one quick note on the Texans here. So obviously this season, smashing success, right? They go from bottom of the league to making the playoffs and winning a playoff game, and now they've got a quarterback that they feel really good about moving forward. They've got a head coach. They feel really good about moving forward. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that does not mean that this team should, you know, be like the Cowboys and not change anything. Right. Like they should, this is, this is your window. You have you, the window is now open with CJ Stroud. So how do you maximize back days on a rookie contract and build around him? So when, when you look at this Texans team, what areas do you think they need to address this offseason, whether it's through the draft or free agency or whatever? What do you see as kind of the biggest holes that they need to try to fill? I'd say grab one more receiver, maybe beef up the offensive line. That's always helpful. And get another playmaker on defense. Like they got a bunch of young dudes, just throw in a vet with that, and I think they'd be golden. Hmm. 
Yeah, I I think they're good at receiver. I, you obviously saw I was just more for depth because they had a lot of injuries there. Yeah, that's true. I think if they were to go with a receiver in like the fourth round or something, I think that'd be good. Yeah, um, that yeah. But I think you saw how not having Tank Dell affected things. Like Nico was the only one getting open. I mean, last two games, Nico was the only one getting open. And Stroud looked good, but he was under pressure a lot this game. And sometimes he handled it well, sometimes he didn't. I'm taking the best tackle guard center in the first round. I think that's what they need. Because I I also think that the scheme really disguise a lot of what should be an awful offensive line with the Texans. I think they got lucky this year with that, and it needs to be addressed. They can't go into next season with the same offensive line and expect to win. Yeah. No, I I think that's I think that I think those are all good things. Um the things that I had written down that that you both haven't already mentioned. Uh this is obviously this is not something you have to prioritize early in the draft or in free agency, but get a better running back option. Like Singletary I, is okay. Yeah, but he's good, man. Like he's good. He 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 looked like the better back between him and Pierce. And well, yeah, but Pierce, Pierce is awful. the Pierce is the number two, maybe yeah. in off season, maybe it's just a sophomore slump. Give him one more. Or just year, like but. Singletary always makes the first guy miss, even if he's in the backfield. I, I was really impressed by Singletary this year. Yeah, and he's, I've always he's been a good. fan. He's got but, great hands too in the passing game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just think, and there's no like difference a, making running backs in this draft class. Like it's really bad. No, go, like, but I'm, not I'm saying throw like a throw like a fourth or fifth round pick at one. Sure, right. Have some competition. See if you find something. See if I'm them. I am drafting the fastest running back in the seventh round and pulling a <laughs> Keaton Mitchell, Isaiah Pacheco, because obviously yeah. it's just had great. It has such a great track record and they really don't need to be spending anything on running back. So, yeah. Uh, the other thing I had is Alex, you mentioned you need to address a defense. You need to bolster the secondary because they do have some young guys, but Stingley has kind of had a mixed start to his career. Like he's shown flashes, but uh, you know, you look at the fact that they took Stingley over, I believe that was the can or no. Uh, yeah. Sauce Gardner draft. Like, gosh, they would. I bet they wish they could do that over again. Um, did I say Gardner Johnson? <laughs> yes, you did. But Sauce Gardner, I knew. I knew what you meant. I'm glad. I mean, I I got the correction. Uh, I did pull this stat in the regular season. They were 20th and drop back EPA allowed. Uh, so basically, opposing passing defense. Um, so there is room for improvement there because you look at who their competition is in the AFC. I mean, they've got some young quarterbacks in their own division, but. It's Mahomes, it's Allen, it's Burrow, um, it's Herbert. Like the AFC has so many good quarterbacks, and Stroud is now in that in that group. He's in he's in the upper echelon of of AFC quarterbacks, and you're gonna you're gonna get in these playoff games where those guys take it up a level, and you need a like you said, Alex, you need a playmaker. Whether it's a another cornerback, whether it's a good safety like the Ravens have with Kyle Hamilton. Um, I didn't even mention Lamar in that conversation. Like you, you need someone who can make a crucial stop on third down, make a game ceiling interception, whatever it is. Um, Cause I don't think they have that right now. So 
Uh, all right. Next game, 49ers 24, Packers 21. When when y'all were watching this game, Alex, I know you were rooting for the Packers, obviously, Niners being your division rival as a Seahawks fan. Did it feel like the Packers were going to pull away and win this game? Or did it always feel like San Francisco was going to find a way to to win? Because it you look at you look at like the box score, you look at the team stats, and they're basically identical. Like first downs, total yards, uh, yards per play, everything. But it like I test, it felt like Green Bay was playing was the better team throughout the game until like the final five minutes. And at least that's how I felt. Like I felt like Green Bay was just they they were playing better um, on both sides of the ball. I don't know if that was a Debo injury on San Francisco, but Brock Purdy, you know, has never played in rain before, apparently. Um I don't know. It it felt like Green Bay like holy crap they've done it again. Now they're they're you know they're going to upset the Niners but yeah, Niners ended up winning. They could just never make that one play that would really separate them like they had that long run to Jones and then they stalled. They had a couple opportunities to make a pick to really put themselves in a good opportunity in plus territory and it just fell right through their hands. Like they were just a young team that didn't really know how to finish a game, and the 49ers finally woke up, got the drive, and then their defense stood up. Well, I wouldn't say stood up; it was more Justin Love just threw it up. Justin Love, <laughs> Jordan, Jordan Love, whatever. yeah. I wasn't uh, able to watch a lot of this game because my wife broke my couch, but <laughs> <laughs> so I had to fix that. <laughs> Um, but it did seem like the Packers kind of reverted back to what they were, you know, in the middle of the season, just inconsistent, you know? And I think that's what happens when you have a lot of young players on offense and defense is it's just hard for you to expect those guys to be consistent. It's hard to know where all those, where they all should be. You know, like Jaden Reed didn't even catch a pass last game. I don't know what was with that, but I watching the end of the game, it looked like the Packers were better, but I think Niners are probably coached better. So it seemed like it was coaching. It also seemed like the Niners are an older team that's been there before and the Packers, you know, a lot has been made about the fact they're the youngest team in the NFL. And obviously this is kind of their first crack at the apple for a lot of those players. And you get, you know, whether it's the Jordan love, you know, game blowing interception or, or whatever, like you get down to the final minutes of these playoff games, you know, part of my French, but booty holes get clinched and you get to find out who's got it and who doesn't. And yeah, their kicker definitely doesn't have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that whole Tom Rinaldi speed or uh thing where Matt LaFleur basically said he prays to his assistant coach every time he goes out there to kick. Like yeah. uh That is, is not a kicking? ringing endorsement. <laughs> That's not what like, you want. <laughs> if you look up his uh college stats too, he was like a seventy five percent career kicker. So I really don't know why he's their kicker, but maybe change that. Yeah. I I want to talk about the quarterbacks here for a little bit. Uh, and I want to start by saying that I am ready to admit defeat on Jordan Love. 
because I wrote, you know, pieces or I wrote, you know, segments in the, in the Friday football newsletters earlier in the season where I was like, I know these numbers look good, but there are some concerning things with Jordan Love. Like he's, he's going to come back down to earth and, and he, did. he did and he did. And we, you know, Rosie and I kind of had our parade on the podcast. Like, ah, we told you not to get bought into those, those faulty numbers. And then he slowly started to turn around and I'm glad we started. had our parade first. We had our parade. <laughs> and I mean, where is he going into next season? Where does he rank among the NFC quarterbacks? Oh, first. Uh, um, I, I would still take a healthy Stafford over him. Okay. And I know they collapsed in the playoffs, but. Dak played really well this season, so I think there's a conversation to be had about that. I yeah, I'd hear that. I'd probably still take love. I think Stafford probably is the best quarterback. Um, and I mean, um, Purdy's going to continue to put up numbers. Cousin, whatever you think about him, he, <laughs> Kurt, Kurt coming back. Sure, I, I'm not trusting a. How old is he? Like 36, 37. Baker. <laughs> Goff, Goff and Baker. Goff? No. But see this like that's that's the thing is we're trying to decide which Gino. quarterbacks are definitively better. <laughs> In the NFC it's very hard. He he could yeah, I would add quarterbacks. Perfect I could listen to a conversation with him being the best. Bunch of mid. Which is wild. Which is wild to think. Cuz if you go back to like week 3, week 4, we were we were having the parade saying he's not the guy, you know. Packers they didn't do it again. They're gonna have to find a find a quarterback. Say, well, it was really weird for the Packers because I was like, I really like a lot of this team. Why aren't they playing well? And it was really just because they were young. And Love yeah. figured it out. He was well coached, well trained up. I don't think you have to sit to be a great quarterback. I think it's just kind of innate, but yeah, I think that as soon as he was a starter, there were some like, there were some hiccups. Like those stats were not as good as he actually was at the beginning of the season, but he learned from those mistakes and it was at the beginning of the season. It just felt like a lot of fluke stuff, you know, like he'd overthrow a ball by like 10 yards and you're like, why is he doing that? And then he just stopped doing it because it was a fluke play. Yeah. Uh, which is crazy. Like, honestly, props to him. It pains me to say, but props to him because he has turned into the guy, which is very impressive. I think he's uh, a top 10 uh, dynasty quarterback. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, probably. Fringe, probably. fringe but yeah. All right, Rosie, one last question here. As a Lions fan, who would you who were you rooting for? Like if you were as you were looking ahead, obviously you didn't know that the Lions had won this weekend yet. Um, but I know you had to have thought about it. Who were you hoping was gonna win this game? Well, I was really torn. And it really came down to this is a win-win because I got the 49ers in my playoff bracket, and I think I want the Packers to win so that the Lions can play at home. So mm. I was like, either way, it's okay. fine. I think both of those teams are 
really tough. So it's going to be a really good game no matter what. They both provide issues that the Lions need to address. So I wasn't devastated one way or the other. Okay. Uh, All right. Lions 31, Buccaneers 23. Before we even talk about this game, there's something that we need to do. We need to do. This was, I need to go back and find it exactly, but it was honestly what maybe a month left in like there was maybe a month left in the season, three weeks left in the season, whatever it was, the NFC East was not decided. I think at the time the Eagles were first in the NFC East uh, and the NFC South was not decided. The Bucks had not clinched it yet because it took all the way down to the last week for both of those divisions. And we were talking about potential playoff matchups and we talked about the potential of maybe the Cowboys winning the division and it being Baker and the Bucks versus Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. And Alex is the biggest Baker Mayfield fan that I know, named his dog Baker, uh, who has made you know multiple impromptu uh, appearances on this podcast. And I told Alex, Alex, what did I tell you? That if the uh, if Baker ends up beating the Eagles, you're going to get a jersey. Just not if, OU. Just not OU. Just not OU. I said, if Baker beats the <laughs> NFL, Eagles and yeah. sends them home, I will buy a Baker Mayfield jersey, and I'm going to let Alex decide which one as long as it's not OU. Uh, I'm a man of my word. So hold on. I'm going to put this on. Better not be a knockoff. No, oh, cool. the creamsicle. Yeah. I don't think it'll be out of style next year, too. I think he's got a home. Tampa Bay. It looks, looks great, good. buddy. Go Baker. Classic. Sent the Eagles home. Rocking the creamsicle. <laughs> this is why you got to watch the YouTube. I'm currently wearing a creamsicle, creamsicle Tampa Bay Buccaneer jersey. Courtesy of Baker Mayfield. Uh, he has a new fan because he sent the Eagles home. So well done, I, might name my, I might name my next dog Baker. Who knows? At least a cat. <laughs> Oh, you're not a cat guy. Not a cat guy. Nope. No, sir. No, sir. But got the jersey. It came in today. Perfect timing. And we had to do it. Looks great. We had to do it. All right. Let's get to this game because uh, this jersey won't be worn for the rest of the playoffs because, Rosie, your Lions took care of the Buccaneers and are going to the NFC Championship, buddy. It's It's incredible. Luckily, Baker baked. (laughs) Baker's going to bake. He's going to be amazing, and he's going to be terrible. And we got to see both. I mean, it was back-to-back games between the Packers, Niners, and then the Lions-Bucks where a game-deciding interception on the final drive. Yeah. Pretty much. I have people telling me congratulations with like five minutes left. (laughs) This game's not over, guys. Like, have you been watching the secondary? Like, Cam Sutton is a big old bum. Bum. He's just a turnstile. Like, Mike Evans was eating his lunch. I think Todd Bowles isn't the worst coach in the league, but the fact that he wasn't dialing that up more was astounding to me because I I know that Lions are playing safeties over the top, but not getting Mike Evans and and Godwin, Godwin wasn't used at all. Like not 
getting them more involved was hold on. Mike Evans was involved plenty. He just drops two passes a game. Godwin, yes, he was under. <laughs> he got those out of the way real quick, though. <laughs> but Mike Evans was used plenty throughout the season. I mean, I'm talking about this game. Like it, he mean, got, he had like eight receptions over 100 yards, two touchdowns. I think it could have been much bigger. That's the thing. I think it could have been, been much been bigger. At least ten receptions. Yeah, but. Hmm. I think they should have used uh, Trey Palmer more, to be honest. The yeah, that too. They never really tried him. It was, yeah. It was a mixed game from the Bucks, And to be honest, it was a little bit like, I know the score was closer, but it was a little bit like the Ravens-Texans game and the fact that the Lions are just more talented. Their defense couldn't stop anything. They got banged up throughout the game and they were just gassed yeah. in the fourth quarter yeah uh okay question on the lions what's more impressive for the lions the fact that they've given up exactly 23 points in each playoff game so it hasn't been like a crazy shootout uh or the fact that they've won both games without really leaning on the run game like they've for the most jared part they've goff. they've won these games with jared goff with the passing game oh with sam laporta like I thought, I mean, I said on the podcast when we were previewing the wildcard round, I was like, hey, the only way I think they beat the Rams if they get that run game going, they keep Stafford off the field. And they said, ha, no. we're actually going to beat them another way, Andrew. You're dumb. So what do you guys think is more impressive? The fact that the defense has kind of limited the points or the fact that the offense has basically just been super pass happy and it's been enough to get it done? Well, I don't think the... um the Lions have really had a game plan for both sides of the ball when they've gone into games and it's been stop the run and dominate the offensive line. Yep. Um, they didn't stop the run in this game. They were not very good, but the, f- the fact that they have limited these teams to 23 points with bum level cornerbacks has been impressive to me. Like their safety and corner blitzes have been, on point, probably the thing that won them the game on defense. I think you mm-hmm. have to give credit to Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator. Um, yeah. And you don't have a lot to work with, but when in most games, when you're stopping the run, it is hard for a team that's inconsistent, like the Rams and even the Bucks, to win in the passing game. All the time. So I, I've been impressed by the coaching because I think the coaches have held this together. Mm, okay. Um, I was screaming, though, when they like weren't giving Gibbs the ball. I thought that was crazy. I think they could have won by a lot more if they had leaned on the run game. Yeah. Alex, on the Bucks, they're definitely bringing Baker back, right? I mean, I don't see a better option for next year, at least. Like they're going to be drafting probably, uh, I think, 27th. So that's probably the fourth or fifth quarterback off the board at that point. There's no real better free agency option that I can think of. So, yeah, I think you give him like a Kirk Cousins type deal, maybe three years, two years, and then a third year team option, like 30 million a year, somewhere around there. Hmm. But well, I don't I think know. What a you guys think. Deal. Yeah. I feel like that's perfect. Yeah, that's pretty much what Gino got. 
three years with a team option on the third year. Yeah. Okay. Can he uh, elevate? Baker? Like, do you mean, can he be any better than he is right now? Yeah. I think a little bit better. Like, the thing with the game yesterday is he had dudes in his lap constantly and just had to improvise a lot. If they get or beef up the offensive line just a little bit more and get him some help on defense, yeah, I think he can be a little bit better than he is. Like, maybe a prime Kirk Cousins type of player. I can see it. I he, I think he has to improve to like step into that top five NFC quarterbacks that we're talking about because he's he's not like he's not consistent enough. I mean, he scares me year to year. Like I thought he was going to be pretty good with the Panthers, and he was the worst quarterback in the league. Yeah, but that's also just the Panthers are a terrible organization right now. That might just be. I a mean, I'm fire. sure that like cause some issues, but if you're a good quarterback, it's probably not going to cause that many issues. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, okay. The, the big game of the weekend, the nightcap, the thing that we are waiting for chiefs, 27 bills, 24. I don't like, I don't like having a missed field goal dictate how we talk about quarterbacks. I don't like things that don't involve the quarterback dictate how we talk about them, but that's the way that the NFL works. That's the way NFL discourse works. If you look, I mean, I I didn't watch any of it, but I'm sure all the ESPN shows this morning, all the Fox sports shows this morning, the lead headline was Josh Allen can't get past Mahomes. When, if Tyler Bass makes the field goal, they're likely going to overtime. Um, so I'll ask this question: They're not going uh, to overtime if he makes that kick. There's a minute might. forty. There's a minute forty six left. It's over. Heck, if he makes that throw, to yeah, if he's not just throwing it down to the end zone on second and nine or third and nine. And finds his and that wasn't downs. his fault either. He got hit by Chris Jones. True. I mean, yeah, Shakir was open on that, but or if Diggs doesn't drop a perfectly Ugh. thrown deep ball, that might have been washed. the best throw of the year. <laughs> washed, perfectly th- like my jaw was on with, the floor. He could have <laughs> caught it with his mouth. Diggs like, is it was, trash. He's trash. I think uh, he's washed. Like, he, <laughs> yeah, he is. I think so too. Like I've seen all these uh, all these Cowboys fans wanting him to come and join up with his brother. Like, do you really want him? He's he's not good. Did you well, see he'd be a sp- fine number two. Like, he'd be a number three on the Cowboys, I think. Well, that's that's even better. Like, he's, he's not Brandon Cooks too. Yeah, he's not going to be, you know, surpassing CD. So, I guess it depends on be, the on the amount of money he wants. Yeah, I mean, the, if we want to keep talking about Josh Allen, like the fact that he was able to do what he did without Gabe Davis. I mean, I know Gabe Davis isn't like some superstar, but Gabe he's, Davis, Stefan yeah, Diggs playing like trash. Shakir was injured that game. Like he just makes it happen. I love Josh Allen, man. He's, he's going to get so much hate for all these playoff losses, but it's really not his fault. Like the defense... 
I didn't realize how many people they were missing. They were signing linebackers off the street and you could tell. And yeah. you could tell. Yeah. Here's a here's a stat for you. So this is a quarterback EPA per play. Uh top three quarterbacks of this past weekend. Keep in mind there were eight of them. Uh top three quarterbacks, Mahomes at 0.573, Lamar at 0.431, and Allen at 0.270. So Allen was the third best quarterback in EPA. And he's he's at home now. And he just ran into Mahomes, who was perfect. Legitimately Josh Allen, perfect. Josh Allen in the playoffs is like me in my fantasy playoffs. Like we just go up against a team that just happens to score the best, that happens to do the best. <laughs> That's yeah. how we lose. Yeah. Uh it stinks, man. But Mahomes is great though. I mean, he he played a perfect game. He did. Uh, no, I mean, he like legitimately perfect. It was unbelievable. Uh, if you look at kind of their drive by drive results, they really only got stopped once. Uh, because one of the times McCole Hardman fumbles it in the end zone, it's a touchback. So I, I don't consider that the bills defense stopping Mahomes. Like they punted once that entire game. Yep. Just Mahomes was out of this world. Um, MBS caught the ball. Yes, he did. Kelsey and Mahomes surpassed Brady and Gronk as the most touchdowns between a quarterback and receiver combo in the playoffs in history with 16. Did you know that Mahomes is now two championship games behind Brady? No. Yeah, sure. he, he's been to six championship games. Brady went to eight. But Brady has... No, 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 no. Brady's been to ten at least. He's had, Brady's, he's had no, seven Super Bowls. And he's lost at least... He lost twice to the Giants. Bowls. That's nine. I that's thought nine. I heard that somewhere. Hold on. <laughs> no, that's not right. <laughs> I'm guessing like ten, though. Because Brady lost... Because he's lost a couple AFC and then AFC yeah. championships. An NFC. Are you looking it up? It's 13. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. He's Talking halfway there. Ass. <laughs> He's halfway there. Oh, man. All right. See you guys later. <laughs> He's still uh, he still sort of had a schedule, though. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Say that. So this is his, this is Mahomes' sixth consecutive championship. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Brady made it to okay. eight. Made, okay. Yes. I'm not completely talking out of my butt. <laughs> you just, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So that means every single news. every single AFC championship game since I believe 2010 has had either Brady or Mahomes in it. That's awesome. wild, man. Tired of the Chiefs. <laughs> the league legit went from Brady and the Pats to Mahomes and the Chiefs. It'll be like that for another 15, 15 years. years. Yeah, yeah, Andrew. And how did... Um... How did Mahomes end up on the Chiefs? How did that happen? Oh, oh, I'm glad you asked. Got uh, the receipts. So Mahomes got on the Chiefs. You know, the, the, the Chiefs made a trade on draft night. They didn't have uh they didn't they didn't draft Mahomes with the pick they had in that draft. Nope. Uh the, the team they traded with, you might find mm. this interesting, was the Buffalo Bills. Uh the Buffalo Bills had the 10th pick 
And the Chiefs traded up to that in exchange for the 27th pick, a third round pick, and a 2018 first round pick. So you could say the Bills helped the Chiefs get Mahomes, which is pretty hilarious when you think of the fact that they, like, Mahomes has been like co owner of the Bills. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, since 2019, pretty much. It's just crazy, man. Did they do that because they wanted Tyrod Taylor to stay on the team? The Bills? No, they had drafted Josh Allen the year before in 2017. No, no Mahomes, Mahomes has been in the league longer. Yeah. Maybe he has? Yeah. Oh, then I don't so know. they must have had Tyrod. Maybe they just wanted to load up on capital. I don't know. I mean, I get it if you had Josh Allen. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, also no one knew Mahomes was going to be this. There's a reason he got drafted 10th. Even at the time, I mean, <laughs> I'm not sticking with Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. You know. Uh, okay. Sticking on this game, I got I got two other notes here, and then we can move on to the conference championship game. So is it fair to say this was the best chance Josh Allen has had to beat Mahomes in the playoffs in terms of just everything that happened? Like you think about, the pass catchers Mahomes is dealing with. You think about the fact that Hardman fumbles the ball into the end zone, negating a touchdown because they were going to score. They were yeah. going to score at least, you know, likely seven points. Um, Josh Allen didn't throw an interception, which is a win. And the Chiefs were two and four in the red zone. Obviously, one of those trips being the Hardman fumble. Like it seemed like everything was breaking right for the Bills. And Mahomes still found a way. Like, the Bills still lost. He found a way because the defense was awful. And the defense was awful because they were really injured. I, I don't... Like, I, I think you give credit to Mahomes because they did exactly what they were supposed to. Uh, again, only punted one time. I I think the closest Josh Allen's ever gotten to beating him in the playoffs was the 2020 year with 13 seconds left. That should have been a win yeah. for them. I don't think you can get closer than that. But I'm just like, so much has been made about the surrounding cast from Mahomes this year, where it's like Kelsey and now Rasheed Rice. And like, we talked about how it was a win that MVS caught a pass. Like, that 2020 year, like the Chiefs had, they still had Tyreek Hill. Like, they were a much more talented team on, on offense and they had guys that scared you. I mean, on that 13 second drive, it was. A deep, you know, it was a it was a chunk play to Hill and then a chunk play to Kelsey, and they were in field goal range. Yeah, like bang, boom, like that was it. Uh, now they've got an old Kelsey who you know is definitely not the same guy he was three years ago, and their other pass catcher is definitely not Tyreek Hill. No, I mean that's true, but I mean if you're spinning this to the future of can Josh Allen and the Bills beat the Chiefs? They absolutely can. Just because, I mean, they beat him in the regular season every year. Yeah. And Kelsey is getting old. Like, Yeah. Yeah, he didn't have his best season this year, but he was still Mahomes' number one option. And, yes, I like Rasheed Rice, but if they lose Kelsey and they draft another Sky Moore, it could get worse. Like, we don't know. Oof, Sky Moore. So where do the Bills go from here then? Like how what do they need to do to get over the the Mahomes hump? 
what what would you address if you're you know if the owner of the bills calls you tomorrow says alex rosie you're running this team what do i do how do i how do i fix this team how do i solve this mahomes problem i think one i get off of stefan diggs he's just deteriorating slowly maybe even rapidly at this point also seems like a locker room cancer at times when he's not getting the ball. Then I go and find a veteran receiver in the trade market. Like honestly, maybe a guy like I think the Seahawks are going to cut Tyler Lockett this year for cap space. Maybe you go get a guy mm-hmm. like that. Then you draft another receiver and then you go reload on the defense a little bit too. They need some depth there, but that could be a good game plan for him. I think at first thing I'm doing, I'm cutting Von Miller. Yeah, that guy too. No sacks this year. And then I'm cutting Stefan Diggs and we're getting under the cap because the so, cap yeah. situation for them is really, I mean, I don't know exactly like what that would do for the cap, but I'll pull it up here real quick. Just shedding some dead weight. Cause that's what they are right now. Yeah, two and then I'm drafting teams. a receiver in every round because <laughs> you just give Josh Allen weapons. And obviously the defense hasn't, play like it was supposed to but i mean we see it every year like injuries are kind of a fluke like ravens last year did they even make the playoffs the ravens no well yeah they did and they got waxed with tyler huntley because lamar was hurt yeah right. Lamar was. i mean hard. they they've had injuries for years and years and years and that's what's kept them from getting to their potential which is right now bill's same thing like just keep what, doing what you're doing on the defense. Draft a bunch of receivers. Cut the dead weight. That's what I'm doing. Honestly, cutting Von Miller is not going to help them a ton. Um, right now, he's got a cap hit of $23 million for 2024. Uh, his dead cap number, if they do it post-June 1st, would be $17 million. So it's like $6 million of savings. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big one is Stefan Diggs. So Stefan Diggs has a cap hit of $28 million. And if they cut him post June first, it's only a nine million dollar cap hit. So it's nineteen million dollars of cap savings from cutting digs. Um, I don't know Von Miller. How many more years does he have? I think so, he's now. Oh no, uh, no, he actually has four years left. Four, but they have oh a potential out after next season. Okay. Um, I bet they keep him next season because they can get off of his contract. Uh, they can get off of the remaining three years of his contract, which is currently valued at like $85 million. Um, and it would only be a $15 million cap hit to move on from him. So I don't think it was a bad move to sign him like the, this ACL injury when you're over 30. Like <laughs> I can't even imagine that that's, that's devastating, not his fault, but he is kind of a liability right now. Yeah. Also, let me clean something up real quick. So Diggs actually has, uh, what does he have? Four years left on his deal, but they have an out. Well, no, I think Diggs they might move on from as well. Or they might keep him, if I'm understanding these. I don't know. The year is on spot track. I don't want to waste time on this. It's confusing. Like When it says 2024, is that the contract this year? Or is that the contract next season? 
You know what I mean? So I, I'll need I'll need to look at that further because I don't want to. We don't want to give out faulty information like you know Mahomes has been to you know two less AFC Championship games as Tom Brady. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's move on to this weekend. Before we do, let me take a minute here to tell you about our friends over at Liquid IV. I'm looking at the Liquid IV website right now and because I need to order some more and I'm trying to decide what I should get because they've got so many good flavors that it's like, how could you possibly decide? They've got the the sugar-free white peach, which I'm a big fan of. They've got the uh, sugar-free lemon lime, which is also delicious. Um I think I might try the sea berry because I know Trent is really, really into that one. Um, I, I know Austin loves the acai berry. Uh, I have had that already. But what I could do if I'm like, hey, I don't know which one I want to get. I could just order the uh, the variety pack, which is a 16 pack. You can get you know more, obviously. But if you get a 16 pack, it's four strawberry, four lemon lime, four passion fruit, and four tropical punch, which... Passion fruit and tropical punch, both delicious. Um, all four of them are, but those are those are two of my favorites from those from those options. Um, I say all this to say they've got options galore. Whether it's the hydration multiplier, whether it's the sugar free, whether it's the energy boost, the they've got a probiotic with kombucha. I mean, they just have it all. Not only um, does Liquid IV hydrate you, but it hydrates you twice as fast as water alone. Has three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. You can go try Liquid IV today and get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code MTC at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code MTC at liquidiv.com. All right. Four teams left. Two games remaining. This time next week, we're going to know which two teams are in the Super Bowl. Hopefully, one of those two teams is going to be Rosie's Detroit Lions, and we're got, we're going to go in chronological chronological order. So we're going to need to wait to talk about the Lions and the 49ers. We will start with the Chiefs at the Ravens, two p.m. Central Time on CBS. Baltimore has opened as a three and a half point favorite, and the over under is forty four and a half. I got two big questions that I want to start off with, and then we can kind of take this conversation wherever we want. Let's look at the Chiefs first in this matchup. What kind of game script do the Chiefs need to win in Baltimore against the Ravens? When you when you look at this game and you try to, you know, time travel to the future, the Chiefs win this game because what happened? I think Lamar's going to have to implode. We were talking about how great he's been, how mistake-free he's been all year, really. And... Maybe, I mean, I feel like that's the only way the Chiefs win this game. Um, and Lamar has shown that that is in his range of outcomes. And the Chiefs defense has shown that they can stop really good quarterbacks. They have a bunch of awesome cornerbacks on their side of the field. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's their game script. Yeah, just the defense plays out of their mind sort of holds the Ravens within the twenties. If it gets to the thirties, like Ravens score 30 points, I think it's, it's over. Like you're going to need like a Lamar Jackson's going out to scramble and Chris Jones comes up behind him and punches the ball out. Yeah. Who was the, the cornerback for the chiefs? Was it Justin Reed who on that touchdown that I think Shakir had, um, 
right at the pylon, right in the front corner of the end zone. They said like that was his first touchdown he had allowed this season or something, which is wild. I think that was a stat that the broadcast said, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Sneed has been amazing. Sneed, that's who it was. Yeah. The Jerry is Sneed. Um, Okay. So Rosie, you say Lamar has to implode for the chiefs to win. Alex, the chiefs, would you agree? Is that, is that the pathway for the chiefs or do you see something else? Well, more just like the Chiefs' defense overall is the key here. They got to stand on their head, get constant pressure on Lamar. Which, even if you do that, you still got to contain him in the run game. But just don't let him get above thirty points. I think I don't see them winning a shootout against the Ravens' defense. So it's got to be a lower scoring game. Keep them in the twenties, the teens, and just have Mahomes do Mahomes things. Yeah, I'll add this on the Chiefs' side. If you look at the Chiefs offense, I think the key for them is they got to generate splash plays like they they can't their scoring drives can't be these 9, 10, 11 play drives where they are just marching their way down the field. Because I think if that's the way you're operating, this Ravens defense is too good to play mistake free football. Like those drives, if that's your game plan, those drives will end up getting killed by a sack on third down or a pass deflection, or maybe even an interception. Like this Ravens defense is too buttoned up at all three levels to where you can just methodically just dice them, you know, play after play. I think you've got to get chunk plays. You've got to have a Pacheco run for 20 yards, or Kelsey's open up the seam, and he's got a one-on-one matchup uh, with a linebacker, and he's, you know, got 25 yards. It's That's got to be the Chiefs game script, I think. Um, on top of what you guys have already said about their defense. But I think that's what the offense needs to try and do is generate those big plays. I think the Ravens have been the best team against deep plays too this year. Like they yeah. do not give up deep plays. That's why the Texans lost so badly because Stroud's kind of been relying on the deep play because he's so good at it. Mm-hmm. And Ravens don't allow that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll start answering this game. Uh, or answering this question, then I'll turn it over to you two. So let's flip it over to the Ravens. What kind of game script do the Ravens need to win? I kind of think, you know, like I said, you need to force the Chiefs to slowly march down the field because um, that's giving you opportunities to kind of wreck the game on the defensive side. And then I think on offense, I think you lean on that run game. You get Lamar moving with his legs. You get whether it's Justice Hill or um, Gus Edwards or the ghost of Dalvin Cook, like, you get the run game going because that keeps 15 on the sideline. And that's that's the game plan. You don't want Mahomes on the field as much as you can possibly allow. And luckily for the Ravens, they are built to run the football. And I do think it's kind of interesting. Like we like I mentioned the the Lamar stat line where he rushed the ball 11 times for 100 yards and two touchdowns. It seemed like during the regular season they weren't relying on his legs as much like they were trying to get the other running backs going they were really trying to you know emphasize the passing game it's like they were saving him exactly that yeah exactly they and now they're in the playoffs they're like no all bets are off like we're trying to win a freaking super bowl like lamar go scramble go run like take a big hit whatever like this is it's now or never and that's got to be terrifying for opposing defenses because lamar has spent all year developing into one of the best pocket passers. And now 
he has just said, oh yeah, also I'm the best running quarterback in the NFL in case you forgot. So good luck trying to sack me. Good luck trying to keep me within the pocket. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I'm so excited for this game. I, this game is going to be awesome. Uh, do y'all have any other notes on this or do we, should we make our picks? I, mean, uh, I think um, you can go, Alex. Good. Really just let Mike McDonald cook, man. He is, man, just so impressive. The best probably young defensive coordinator in the league. And he's going to be probably one of the better young head coaches in the league next year. I mean, this dude just cooks, destroys Shanahan tree coaches, uh, other offensive minds I can't really think of right now. But, I mean, just let him cook, man. He's got the best defense, the best schemes, the best whatever you want. Hmm. Yeah. Rosie? I was just going to say, Kyle Hamilton needs to take Travis Kelsey out of the game. Ooh. And <laughs> to to what, shut off the Swifties or just, just well, in general? Oh, yeah. <laughs> to, win, to win the football game, but that's a bonus, too, taking yeah. out the Swifties. Cherry on but, top. Mm. I mean, Hamilton's the best safety in the league. He's up there. Other than yeah. Winfield. Um, go on his hands a bit, but yeah. And he's big, and I don't think Kelsey does super well against big guys guarding him. Yeah. So, match up. Uh, all right, picks. I'll lead us off here. I'm going Baltimore minus three and a half. Uh, I'm I'm riding with my uh, my fellow McKinney North Bulldog. High school classmate, Justin Matabuke, pro bowl, defensive tackle. Uh, you getting tickets to this game? Number 92. No. <laughs> Although, I I mean, I was in Powell's class with him. He's He was a great guy in high school. Um, it's it's really cool to see him, you know, flourish into a really, really nice NFL career, make the pro bowl this year for the first time. And he's on this Ravens defense that is best in the league. Uh, and he's a big part too. of it. What's that? He's a free agent this offseason. Is he? Yeah. He's so he set paid. himself up for a nice payday. So I'm going Ravens minus three and a half. Uh, I think I think they're just too good. I think they are they are firing on all cylinders. And you mentioned that Alex are getting Mark Andrews back, which they've figured out a passing game without him. And now, like I mentioned, they're going to get their running game going. Like imagine oh, yeah. these like... Helps what what would that be? Passing. 21 personnel where they get, you know, Andrews and likely on the field at the same time with one running back. And you're like, okay, you want to stop the run? Well, we're going to have your linebackers in coverage on likely and Andrews <laughs> and see if you can stop the run like that. And if you're going to commit to the run, well, one of them is going to be running open down the seam. So mm-hmm. the Ravens, I think, are just going to be too much for the Chiefs to handle. So I'm taking the Ravens to, to cover that three and a half. Yeah, three and a half is not enough for me. Uh, I would also like to make this my pick for the me versus Austin thing. Okay, I think you, it's you already can... gotten no taken. way. Yeah, I... Alex already took Ravens minus three. <gasps> Alex, yeah, I took it so early it was still three. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. So oh, he took dude. Ravens minus three, and I already took uh, Lions plus seven. Actually, everyone's made their picks except for you, Rosie. Trent has uh, Rasheed Rice over 52.5 receiving yards, and Austin has Pacheco over 62.5 rushing yards. 
Well, you should no, take the Pacheco under. You should no. take the Pacheco under. Because <laughs> no. then it's just the inverse of Austin. Go big or go home. Well, what, are the, what are his yards again? 62 and a half against this Ravens defense. That's a lot of rushing yards, buddy. Let me do some research. <laughs> All right. So you're taking Baltimore minus three and a half. What about yeah. you, Alex? Yeah, same thing. Three and a half. I already have them at three, but screw it. I mean, half a point's not much. They're going to win by a touchdown plus. All right. What do we think about over under 44 and a half? Ooh. Shoot. I'm going over. Hold on. Let me just double check the weather. And Good point. Good point. More. Good point. Alex, our meteorologist. I, think uh, oh, I initially hmm. said under. So unless I don't see how the weather is going to mm, affect yeah. the under, it might would only affect the over, I think. We got a high of 44 and a 50% chance of rain throughout the day. So it might be a little drizzly, but that's not an wind, issue. Wind looks fine. It just looks like a dreary winter day. It'll be fine. So are you going under or over? Yeah, I'm still going to go under just because I think the Ravens defense is going to control this game and the Chiefs might be able to answer, might not, but I'm going to say under. They do answer. I'm curious, actually. Hold on. I'm going to go back and look. So last week's episode, what were the games where all three of us were insane? Or I guess, no, all four of us because Trent was on. Okay, so let's see. Divisional round. Uh, Packers at 49ers. That was not, although we all three or all four of us did say the under, which the under did hit. So we knew what we were doing there. Uh, We were split down the middle in terms of who we liked on that line. Uh, Let's see. Chiefs bills. We all said, actually, no, all four of you said bills minus two and a half. I said KC plus two and a half. Um, It was 46 and a half. What was that final score? My final score was 27, 24. So 51. So that was over. And three of us said over Rosie, you said under. So pretty good there. And then whoops, where's the other game? Cause we didn't know the outcome of Detroit. Cause we didn't know who they were playing. Thought Green I already Bay, had Niners. No, we had that one. I don't see the Texans Ravens on here. Oh, here it is. Um, Trent took Houston plus nine and the over. Oh, we all took Houston plus nine in the over, <laughs> um, which they did not cover the plus nine, but the over, let's see, what was it? 45 and a half and it was under. So yeah, there you go. We all were aligned on both the spread and the over under, and we had missed both of those. So hmm. something to, something to look out for. Um, all right, next game. I think we got all of our picks in. Rosie's Lions traveling to Santa Clara to take on the 49ers. 5.30 p.m. Central Time on Fox. San Francisco opened as a seven-point favorite at home. Over-under is 50 and a half. Rosie, how disrespectful is that line? They've been disrespecting us all year. (laughs) Detroit versus everybody. Yes. (laughs) This is right where Dan Campbell wants them. Love it. Uh. Okay, the, my, my serious question for you, Rosie. Based on how the Lions have won in the playoffs so far, what do you think they need to do to win this game? 
I think, I mean, if you look across the board, Niners are better at just about every position group. If I'm being completely honest, I mean, I, I hate that they probably line should be underdogs in this game. You guys are better at quarterback. Yes. Yes. No, no. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, Goff has been playing well, but I think Purdy and Goff have equal ability to explode or implode each game. <laughs> so, right. Okay. I, I think what they need to do is stop Christian McCaffrey. I think if they can, and they've been really good against the run all year long, if they can stop Christian McCaffrey, like, yeah, Cam Sutton's going to get cooked. Like, that's just that's just going to be part <laughs> of the game plan. But you make Brock Purdy throw it enough, um, I think he will make a mistake. And Gardner Johnson, Afatu Melifamu, Brian Branch, um, Kirby Joseph, they're ball hawks. So I think you need a turnover. So stop the run, get a turnover. That's how the Lions can win. And then on the other side, I don't, I mean, I like David Montgomery. I do. I think he's a top 15 running back in the league. I don't want to see him on the field. I think it should be <laughs> all Gibbs all the time. I was screaming at the TV um, yesterday. Like they wouldn't give Gibbs the ball enough. They haven't used him as a receiver. And as soon as they started doing that, that's when they started marching the ball down the field against the Bucks. Mm. They figured that out. Keep doing it. Okay. Uh, Alex. Yes. How do the 49ers win this game? Your favorite team. Mm. What's their game script? Um, keep Brock Purdy on schedule on offense. Like, Don't let him get too far outside of the system. Keep Trent Williams on the field. Hope Debo Samuel can play. And just let the defense cook like they have been. I mean, let Bosa get after the quarterback, get in the Goff's face. Maybe Chase Young flashes finally. Probably not. But overall, it's really, I think it's really on Purdy's shoulders. Like, he is the key in this whole game. Like, if he plays like how he did against the Packers for three, the first three quarters, I think the Lions might run away with this a little bit. Like, they have the weapons to actually make that final play that the Packers couldn't do all game until the end of the 49ers finished it off. But I think that's the key. Purdy cannot make the mistakes he made against the Packers. Okay. Uh, The notes that I had on this game. So for the Lions, I think they have to limit Fred Warner's impact in the running game because that dude is arguably the best linebacker in football. And whatever they can do to not have him involved on a play-to-play basis is good for Detroit. Whether that's having some sort of decoy to the right side and you're you're doing a jet sweep reverse to the left, whatever it is, like you've got to figure out a way to get him confused, which is a very, very hard thing to do. But Ben Johnson is as cut, a, cut out to do that as anyone. Um and then on the Niners, I think you mentioned, you know, you mentioned the Lions secondary, Rosie. I think they got to figure out a way, especially if you don't have Debo or at the very, you know, best case scenario, you have a banged up Debo. You got to get Ayuk and Kittle in one-on-one matchups against the Lions secondary. Whether it's a box safety, whether it's a cornerback, like you've got to get Ayuk some one-on-one shots down the field against Sutton. Um, got to find a way to orchestrate those matchups. 
uh, to kind of get those chunk plays. So I think this, I mean, the divisional round games outside of the first one were all great. Both of these conference championship games look like they're going to be really, really solid. Uh, I, I can't wait to, to see how they shake out. Um, rooting very, very hard for Rosie's Lions here because same. it's just, yeah, it's just what you do. When your friend's team, team is this far in the playoffs, you put everything aside and you root for their happiness. Um, and I have no reason to root for the Niners, so of course no, I'm going to root no for Rosie. Does. Yeah. No one does. Go Lions. Let's make our picks. Uh, The line is seven. I made this my pick of the week for our bet contest. So I'm taking Detroit plus seven. I think this line is disgraceful. I I don't see this game being a blowout because the Lions offense, even if let's say the 49ers get out to an early lead, let's say, you know, Jared Goff turns into Jared Goof and he throws a pick six and it's like 14, nothing six minutes into the game. They are outdoors. So, (laughs) but even if that happens, the Lions offense is high powered enough to crawl their way back in. So sure. I don't see this game being a blowout. So I'll take Detroit plus seven uh, and I will take the over. I know it's 50 and a half. That's a lot of points. Uh, but the Lions score 31 against the Bucks, and uh, they score 24 against the Rams, which is basically halfway to that point total. I think the Niners are going to put up points as well against this defense. Uh, so 50 and a half definitely seems doable so those are my picks alex rosie you're gonna pick last because it's your team alex who are you picking Uh, i'm gonna go lions to cover the seven points i agree i think that's just too many points in the nfc championship game especially with the question mark like purdy at quarterback who could implode at any moment i mean golf can too but the Lions, like you said have a lot of weapons there and i think i'm also gonna i'm gonna go under I feel like this game could start out a little cagey, like both teams feeling each other out and just find a feel for that game. And then eventually it opens up in the second half, but I'm going under 50 and a half. Okay. All right, Rosie. How much was the last game? What was the total point total? Yeah. yeah. 48 and a half. Or I think it finished at like 49 and a half bucks lions. Oh, what, what did it? It ended as. up at uh, uh, like 30 or I'm sorry, 54, 54, yeah. 31.23. So yeah, 54. Yeah. Well, that's, I kind of see that. For, so I'll go over. Um, I mean, to get to 51, that's what, 27.24? Yeah, that's. Can both teams score 25 points? Yes, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. And. I do think the Niners are a better team, but I mean, Lions are within striking distance. Like seven is way too much. Yeah. Like I agree. Matching up like East Amon raw. I, you got probably rather have Amon raw Trent Williams, Penesul. Those are the two best of the best offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think an underrated part of this game too is going to be Jamison Williams. They have not gotten him involved. He, It's hard to criticize Ben Johnson because he's been so good these last couple of years, but he's only running out routes, like clear out routes, to get the cornerbacks out of the out of the way. If they can like change that up, have him do a double move, have him run an in or a crosser, like please get him involved, especially if they get down. Yeah. I think they will. I think they're smart enough to 
figure that stuff out and I'll take the Lions to cover. Okay. Over under 50 and a half? Over. All right. All righty. There we go. Those are our picks. Go Lions. Should be a fun Lions. one. Uh, both games. I just a little like just a little word of advice to the listeners here. Enjoy these games like this between what we got in the divisional round, what we should be getting this weekend. Like the NFL season is coming to a close. These are the best games that you're going to have this season. These are the best teams like the, the chiefs bills quarterback matchup was about as good as it gets. Both teams, like both quarterbacks were just throwing haymakers and all four of the teams left have elite playmakers on both sides of the ball. So like those are the guys who step up and make these plays in these, in these games. So just, just enjoy it. Like clear the schedule, say we're not, we're not doing anything Sunday afternoon. We are watching these games because they're going to be awesome. And in less than a month, football is going to be over until next season. So enjoy it while we have it. Uh, that's how we'll end it. Or that's how we'll end this segment because the podcast is not over. Normally we've just been talking football, but Alex is wearing his Mavs uh, hoodie right now. Alex and I are going to the Mavs game on Wednesday night. We're recording this on a Monday night as the Mavs are currently playing the Celtics. So we thought what better time to do a little Mavs update, talk about how the season has gone so far. The trade deadline is like two weeks away. So we'll talk about that. And that is all coming up right after this. All right, we're back to wrap up the podcast. Alex and I stuck around because, Alex, we got to talk about these Dallas Mavericks. Um, oh, Mavs. Yes, we they are. are about halfway through the season. We're recording this on a Monday night as they are currently uh, playing the Boston Celtics. Uh, they had a, a pretty long stretch of uh, days off due to the uh, unfortunate situation uh, involving mm-hmm. the State Warriors. Uh, Bench Coast passing away unexpectedly. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. thought prayers uh, with his family, with the entire Warriors organization. Uh, yep. But the Mavs are back playing tonight against the Celtics. You and I are going to the game uh, on Wednesday night against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, we're pesky gonna, Suns. Yeah. Go we're going to. Oh. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I was sort of reacting to the game. Oh, um, so it's about halftime right now in the Mavs game, but we thought this was a good time to kind of do a Mavs check-in. Yes. So let me just kind of, let me run through some, some facts real quick on the Mavs halfway point through the season, and then we'll, we'll get through some talking points. So they're 24 and 18 at the time of this recording, sixth in the West. They are 14th in the NBA and net rating. Uh, notable games missed because there have been a bunch. Kyrie Irving has missed 16 games. Josh Green missed 13 games. Derek Lively, the second, 11 games. Dante Exum, nine games. And Luka Doncic, six. Uh, the trio of Luka, Kyrie, and Lively have only played 17 games together for a total of 254 minute, minutes. Uh, that three-man lineup has, has a net rating of plus 10.2. Uh, to put that into context, the Celtics as a team lead the NBA with a net rating of 9.8. Uh, so the Mavs really haven't had their three best players together hardly at all this season, uh, which is why they're pretty much kind of league average and all these different statistical categories. So as I preface it with that, Alex, how would you assess the Mavs season so far? Uh, it's hit or miss, honestly, like 
sort of play by night on if they're making their shots, if Lively's available on defense in the middle for the like, yeah, for like the paint and all that, because that's where the teams really make their money against us. It's just on the inside rebounds, all that. But mm. honestly, we just need to stay healthier. Probably pick up another wing or perimeter defender and a backup center. But that's basically what we've been saying about the Mavs since 2020. Yeah. Really. We need a center. We need more wing defenders like half the league. Yeah. I think how I would assess the Mavs so far or the Mavs season so far is honestly just like a like an incomplete grade. Like yeah. it's it's kind of hard to to grade them because all those things I listed off, how many games that we've had of our best players missing and and the the problem is like you'll get Kyrie back and then Luca's out for a couple of games. And then you get Luca back and Derek Lively's out a few games. So like they've all been timed to where they're always kind of they're not overlapping. Like it's not like when it rains, it pours. It's just like a steady, steady flow of injuries. Uh, yeah. And other guys like Exum, he was playing good. Now he's missed six or seven straight games. Mm-hmm. Lively, of course. Probably our third best player is a 19-year-old, and he's just been in and out. Yeah. Uh, so let's play a game to kind of talk about this, this Mavs season. Because I was trying to think, like, what's the best way we can kind of hit all the things that we want to about the Mavs. So we'll just go back and forth and name either a highlight or a low light of this season. And it could be anything. Um, And you can name a highlight, then I can name a low light, or maybe I also pick a highlight. But just I want to hit all the talking points. I want to, you know, make sure we talk about Luca, you know, talk about Kyrie, talk about whatever you want. So I'll let you go first. What's a highlight or low light that, that we've seen so far this season? I think my biggest highlight is just Derek Lively coming into his own. Like when we drafted him, we thought he was going to be somewhat of a project. We didn't even know if he was going to get that many minutes coming into the season. Maybe go down to the G League for a bit, but no, he's come here and he's run with his opportunity under uh, Tyson Chandler's wing. He's only 19. He's developing, putting muscle on his body. He's just got to find a way to stay a little bit more healthy. I mean, we're leaning on him a lot as a rookie, but when he's on the court, he is more than willing to take the load. You just got to find a way to stay on the court. Yeah. No, Lively has been awesome. Um, It's crazy that he's been probably our third most important Mav and he's a rookie and he's 19, but that's just, that speaks to the Mav center position and also just how great he's been right away. Uh, I mentioned the Mavs are 24 and 18 this season. The Mavs are 2011 when Lively plays, which means they're four and seven when he doesn't play. Uh, 2011, you're winning two out of three games, uh, which is a really, really, really good pace in the NBA. If you think about like that over an entire season, if you mm-hmm. won um, two thirds of your game, is of that your like games, 55? that's a 55 win team. Yep. Which is pretty, pretty, pretty good. So, yeah, he's been awesome. Um, I'll do another highlight. Let's just go ahead and get this out of the way. Uh, <laughs> it's Luca. Yeah, I didn't want I mean, to be obvious. He's taken a step forward, which is crazy, but he has. He's uh, averaging 33, 8, and 9 on the season, including 37% from three on 10 attempts per game. And that's kind of the missing piece that he's added to where he's always taken threes at a at a high rate, but he's always kind of been so-so at making them at a high clip, but 
37% on 10 attempts per game is just otherworldly. Like he's in like Steph Curry territory, which is ridiculous, but he is. Uh, and he's got the assists and the rebounds to back it up. Like we have, we have truly seen a, a new version of him. Uh, Which we didn't even know was possible. Honestly, he was already a top three player before the, before we started the season. Yeah. And he's just continued to improve and surprise us. What he's doing night in and night out. And I also want to say like, you know, there, it's hard to quantify this from a, from a statistical standpoint, but he has really stepped up his defensive effort. Like he has truly been taking a lot of pride in his ability as a defender. And you've seen that on the court to where he's not a traffic cone anymore. Like he is, he is bodying up the other, the other team's guards and forwards. And he's saying, no, I'm going to, I'm going to actually stop you on defense and not just, you know, kind of, you know, be very lackadaisical. Like that's been really cool to see. So I got to mention him as a highlight. Um, All right, back to you. Give me another highlight or low light of the season. All right, I'll go low light. The backup center and just center depth position in general, that's just the main weakness of this team. Like, obviously, one, we knew Dwight Powell wasn't isn't the guy. Like, he's okay in the backup role, but when Lively's out and we got to depend on him, that's a no-go. Holmes, some of it's sort of been his fault, and the, the other fault goes on Kid for not really giving him too much of a run. And then after that, I guess Kleba, he's been hurt a lot. But when he's been healthy, I don't know, man. He just seems a little bit washed. And when his shot isn't falling, the way he shoots it, it just makes it look ugly. And just you get get a bad taste in his mouth when his shot is not falling. And he can't Mm even – he's not been the defender he was in the past in 2020 and 2021. Like I haven't seen that guy in a couple of years and it's sort of sad because I really did like Maxi, but it's getting pretty close to cut bait time with him, I think. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Um, he physically, he just doesn't seem to be there anymore. And you're right. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's probably the biggest weakness for this team is that, that backup center position, uh, basically insurance for, for lively. Um, it's kind of similar. I mean, I know the thunder is they're They've played like a much better team this year, but yeah. their biggest need is they need a backup big to to huh. protect Chet because if Chet misses some time or if he gets in foul trouble, like they're pretty much screwed from a size standpoint. And that's kind of where the Mavs are with Lively. Like they need someone to fill in well in those in those uh those non-lively minutes. And I think that's something we're gonna talk about later on in the podcast as we think about the trade deadline. But no, you're absolutely right. Um all right, I'll do another. I'll do another highlight here. All right, the Mavs are good in the clutch. Yeah, they have been a good clutch team. They are fourteen and five in clutch games. They are second in the NBA in win percentage. Uh, this is something that has been a problem in past seasons, and I think a lot of it speaks to the fact that Luca and Kyrie have figured out kind of how to yeah. play together in those crunch time minutes. Yeah, to where yeah. they're winning basically 75% of the time in clutch games, which is ridiculous. So I'd say that's a really big highlight because the Mavs are not the most talented team. Um, they're definitely a playoff team. And if they get in these playoff series, a lot of these series are going to be decided in those final few minutes. And the Mavs are going to have Luka and Kyrie in those in those final possessions. And so far, that's worked out very well for them in the regular season. So I definitely have that as a highlight. 
Yeah, I agree. I think that's part of the reason they uh, brought Kyrie in last year. Historically, he's just one of the best fourth quarter closer point guard uh, score type players we've seen in the league in history. Like he had that shot against Golden State in 2016 that won the Cavs the uh, championship. So he's just been doing this his whole career. Yeah. He's continued to do it here. So not surprised. All right, back to you. All right, um, I think I'll go low light again because this guy started as a highlight. Grant Williams had a mm. great first month, and ever since then, he's just—I don't know—I think lackadaisical would be a good term to describe him. He just—he just looks a step slow out there, and when his shots not dropping, there's just not much to really like about his game. I'm glad you mentioned him. Um, cause if you didn't, I was going to, because to me, he's the biggest low light. Like we can yeah. talk about the center position, but we expected him to like be that dude. And he was and, that dude for the first two weeks. So that just doesn't help his case that he just, yeah. he's fallen off a cliff. So you can, one of the things that I really like on, like on the NBA, like stat page is uh-huh. you can look at different lineups. And you can look at like two-man lineups, three-man lineups, four-man lineups, five-man lineups. So you can kind of see these different groupings and how they've performed uh, from like a a net rating, offensive rating standpoint, what, you know, all these different things. Um, If you look at the Mavs and you look at all two-man lineups, uh, minimum of 100 minutes played, which is really not that much for a two-man lineup halfway through the season. But I just, I did minimum 100 minutes because I wanted to rule out like really odd swings maybe like the last two minutes of like a garbage time game where it was like you know o max and aj lawson like we want to kind of <laughs> remove those situations yeah so minimum yeah. 100 minutes four of the six worst two-man lineups by net rating involve grant williams this season for the mavs yikes four of the six involve grant williams for the mavs uh they're just not winning the minutes when he's on the floor and I know he has not been scoring well, like he has not been shooting the ball well, like we would have expected him to. But the thing that's been disappointing for me is his defense. Like he mm-hmm. has not been a defensive anchor like we hoped he would be. If anything, he's been a liability. He just looks a little undersized out there. Yeah. Can't stay in it, front of anybody. So the if the Mavs want to do anything this season, uh, like at the very least win a playoff game, they're going to need more from him. Uh, yeah, he he did mention that this weekend that he has been losing some weight. He's lost about 15 pounds since the season started and we just had a four, four day break. So I don't, I don't know, maybe turn the, turn the corner at this point. Like can't play much worse. Yeah. That's all you can hope for really. Cause I don't think he has much trade value for what his contract is and what, we would want to get for him. What do you think? Because mm. he, he's like a 12, what, $12 million player? Yeah. I mean, if you could move him, sure. I don't, I just don't know what his value is at this point to other teams. It's like, definitely below what we'd want to get back in return at this point. He it's feels a, like, honestly, like he feels like salary filler. Yeah. You know, like to make the numbers work, which is crazy. But, I kind of think you keep him from now because right now it feel like selling him at his absolute lowest value. 
Yeah, which doesn't he, seem like a good idea. So that hope he turns it around. Yeah. All right. In the lab with Sham God. There you go. Uh, My turn. Um, I'm going to cheat because you could actually, you could say this could maybe be two highlights, but I think it's one because the highlight here is we mentioned how, you know, Luca's taken a step up this year. Some things have stayed the same with Luca. One of those being Luca's ability to revitalize uh, kind of distressed wing assets in the NBA and turn them into hot commodities whether it's Dante Exum, whether it's Derek Jones Jr. Like oh, yeah. Dante Exum was in Europe for the past few seasons and Derek Jones Jr. was like a fringe rotation guy in the league. And yeah. he's like a last second pickup in the summer. And they look like steals of the offseason for what they've been in Dallas with Luka. Um, they're hitting like threes. Yeah. Yeah. Hitting threes. They're dunking. They're like they're playmaking. Um, they are big pieces for this Mavs team. And honestly, the emergence of both Exum and Derek Jones yeah, has, it's kind of shielded the, the impact or the negative impact that Grant Williams has been. Yeah. Honestly, Exum, he's the same type of player as Grant Williams. He's exactly what we wanted Grant Williams to come in and do good Mm -hmm. three and D type of player. Just use his length on the perimeter get in front and make your threes. Yeah. So they've been awesome. Uh, we need Exum to come back because Hopefully I want to see, yeah. I want to see some, some minutes of Luca Kyrie mm-hmm. Exum. And then either like Josh green or Derek Jones jr. And then lively. Like I want Let's honestly let's say let's say Josh Green because if you say Josh Green, you've got four guys who can create and handle the ball and can slash and kick and shoot threes, and then you've got Derek Lively as a lob threat, and two of those three, three guys being Josh Green and Exum are great defenders. Like yeah, and they're just that's a fast lineup too, a lot of speed. That's a fast lineup. Like you get out in transition with like Josh Green running on the opposite. Uh, sideline as Kyrie with you know Exum on his tail and Lively's just running free for a dunk like a freaking gazelle like <laughs> I, I want to see that lineup that that would be so cool um so yeah that's that's one of my highlights so we've we've hit a bunch do you have any other highlights or lowlights here because I've got one more thing I want to hit on uh but yeah, I want to make sure one we final highlight everything. six man of the year Tim Hardaway Jr. yeah Really, ever since Kyrie has come into the fold with the Mavs, has been playing pretty much out of this world. I mean, he's still Timmy. He'll be streaky at times, but overall, he's just found his spots, his shots, and he's making his points where it counts. Like, what? what is he averaging right now? About eight, 18 and 0.9, almost 19 He's like points 17, a game. 18 a game. Um, Five, he has seventh in the NBA in bench scoring. Yeah. So... And I think honestly, the reason he's seventh in bench scoring is because he's had he's, some great performances where he has started. <laughs> yeah, he's been starting recently too. Just yeah. injuries and all that. No, he's been awesome. Um, definitely six man of the year candidate. And honestly, I think it's great for him because I think where he plays best at this point in his career is as that kind of first guy off that bench, that kind of you know jolt of scoring. Um, yeah, that the Mavs can rely to in those bench minutes. So, because Kyrie usually comes out about six minutes into the game, 
get a little mm-hmm. rest before he comes in to start the second quarter. So he yeah. can be that anchor for that period of time. And I think at this point, he's almost untradeable. Like, who can really replace him out in the market right now? Like, Siakam is gone. That would have been one of the guys. But off the top of your head, who would you send Hardaway out for? Um, Not the same kind of player, but... No, yeah, it would have to be an if upgrade you could, on defense, for sure. If you could get another 3 and D wing, like Bruce Bruce Brown is probably available. Right. Um, I saw a report that Herb Jones from the Pelicans is available. Um, maybe even like a Sadiq Bay from Atlanta, like a, a long wing defender who can hit threes and score a little bit. I think mm-hmm. I'd move him for that just because I think that fills more of a need, but... Um, I'm not, I'm not of the camp. Like you have to move him because he provides value for this Mavs team. Um, and seems like a good locker room guy. seems like he enjoys playing here, playing with Lucas. So it's been here a while now. Yeah. I'm fine with keeping him. Um, he's been great. Um, all right. The last one I had, this is real quick. Just, I mentioned it at the top, just the injuries. That's a low light. Just a nagging, Uh, annoying. Especially since some of them have just been bad luck. Like Dwight Powell falls on Kyrie, misses two weeks. Yeah. Maxi breaks his finger and he's been out two months. Finally came back a couple days ago, but just a bunch of nagging injuries. All right. um, Two-part question to close out our Mavs discussion. First, do you expect them to make any moves at the February 8th deadline? (sighs) I'm going to say yes. But I don't think it's going to be the big type of move that we always want as the Mavs fan, Mavs Twitter error. But I think Nico makes some type of move. I don't know if it's going to be that insane, but another role player or something like that just to add on. Okay. I think they do. I mean, I I think they either do nothing or they do some sort of small move like you're talking about. Um, this doesn't seem like they... It doesn't seem like they are the cupboards are full of assets, but also this kind of trade class is the class to just like make a big swing. I mean, they made the big Kyrie swing last off season. Um, I'd be fine with, you know, any of those, those three and D wings that I mentioned, I'd love a uh, Dorian Finney Smith homecoming. They could swing mm-hmm. that. I know that'd be awesome. I know the report was the Nets went two first. I'm sorry. They're not getting two first for Dorian Finney Smith. Yeah, um, that's, that was funny. Best I can do is uh, Grant Williams in a second, maybe. But um, I would love a homecoming for him. Uh, and then, okay, so the second question. What moves would you like them to make, if any? Like, backup, would you say... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, a backup center, uh, a big wing, like seven-foot wingspan, six nine, six eight, perimeter defender. Do you have a name in mind? Hmm, center, probably, oh shoot, what's his name? Atlanta, help me out, Capella. Oh, Clint Capella? Capella or Drummond with the, with the Bulls, the he'd Bulls, be pretty yeah. cheap to grab. And for a wing, probably like Herb Jones. What's, I can't, I'm not thinking of wing names right now. Name one. That's okay. I mean, we we already named a few wings. Yeah, Capella would be great as a backup center. Um, Drummond. I've been on the Drummond train. I've I told you like a couple weeks ago, like 
my dream trade for them is they figure out a way to get Caruso and Drummond from the Bulls. And yeah, you I get like Lakers a nice trying to do that too. I know. But if you can just get Drummond, I think that'd be great. Um, Isaiah Stewart from the Pistons would also be a solid option. Uh, Even Daniel Gafford from the Wizards. Because again, we're not looking for a starting center. We already have it. We need someone to play 10, 15 minutes a night and just guard the paint and grab rebounds and catch a couple lobs. And like, other than that, you know, collect your game checks and have a nice day. Like, we're not asking for much. I think another name that's been floating around with the Mavs, the Wizards, and all that, Kuzma. He's not really like a need need, but he is a lengthy power forward scorer type. He can play defense when he wants to, but with the Wizards, he really hasn't. But it's the Wizards, so I give him a slight pass there. Yeah. I just don't. The price might be a little too much for us. Yeah, I I think I think you hit it right there. It the, the it, they might just get priced out of Kuzma. Um and he's not the kind of player that I'd want them to make a big swing for. Like no. That's that seems too risky, but it, yeah, if they can they can get him for the cheap then sure. Um with the whole backup big thing, I think they need to move quickly on that because a lot of teams are going to be in the market for a backup big, so there's going to be some competition from a uh from a trade standpoint so i'd like to see them you know don't wait till february 8th at 255 to go grab them like just do it now um or do it you know in the next week or so so all right any other maps notes i feel like we hit a lot of a lot of what we wanted to talk about but i want to make sure that we get it all so anything else on the mads or do we want to wrap up this uh what has been kind of a lengthy podcast no yeah i'm good go mavs as always go mavs we'll see if they can uh, mount this comeback here against the celtics they're currently down 12 uh, about four minutes into the third quarter so all right big yeah gonna need a big fourth yes that is gonna do it for this week's episode of making the call thank you of course to alex and rosie for hopping on this week thank you to anyone who tuned in on the youtube thank you of course to our lovely listeners whether it's on spotify apple or wherever you get your podcasts We'll be back next Monday night, 7 p.m. on YouTube, Tuesday morning in podcast form uh, to break down all the action from the conference championships, uh, as well as maybe like a a quick instant uh, reaction, Super Bowl preview, um, all that good stuff. So the dad joke this week, I'm scrolling through trying to find a good one. Um, All right, here we go. To whoever stole my copy of Microsoft Office, I will find you. You have my word. (laughs) So I hope everyone has a fantastic rest of the week and we will see you next time. Woo.